Hey crew, what's going on? Coach here. Hope you had a great three-day holiday last week. I really do. Hope you guys either put your feet up, barbecued a little, boated a little, enjoyed family and friends, maybe even traveled a little. I hope you had a great weekend. I kind of personally escaped the madness, barely, and kind of just stayed put until the masses uh, made their way back home. We are now officially into the summer travel season, don't you think? Hey, speaking of summer, that is what we are discussing this week in regards to our gardens, landscapes, etc. The long, hot days of June, July, and August, and for some of you, even parts of into September and even early October, can be quite a challenge to not only our landscape, but to a conscientious homeowner as well. That's what we're here to discuss this week. We will discuss some prepping you can do, how to treat various elements of the landscape for success, what not to do in the landscape, and finally dispel some myths about summer landscaping in general. Extra glad you made it here this week. Let's get rolling, shall we? Hey, I'm Matt and you can call me coach. Every week I bring to you DIY landscape education, design concepts and theories, and helpful landscape practices in an easy to understand format so you can tackle landscape projects yourself, get the pro results you want, be a heck of a lot more self-reliant in this day and age, and save a whole lot of money in the process. You know, after a 20 plus year career as a successful self-employed landscape designer, contractor, educator, and retail nursery manager, I bring with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I want to share with you, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, oftentimes in early January, we often allow our imagination to wander backwards or forwards to the spring and summer of bygone era or what's to come. When things are growing, crops are starting out and then maturing, colors are bountiful, and we lounge away those warm days and nights. Am I right? Then, <laughs> summer actually gets here. It's 95 in the shade in some parts of our country and world it's the same humidity we bitch about how hot it is out and how we don't feel like doing a damn thing the ac is cranking inside the house or the car and we try to stay as comfortable as possible oh yeah the wonderful summer season is upon us so what about our yard our gardens and our landscape as a whole. Believe it or not, it suffers the same heat rash as you do when the thermostat is reaching nuclear degree and nuclear humidity. Allow these things to stress now and you lose things three times faster than the three other seasons combined. You don't believe me? I'll tell you what, don't water your tomatoes for four days. Don't water your tomatoes for four days in a container and let's see what happens in July. You know something? A real careful process and plan should be taken now. Here we are in the early goings of June. So you can accomplish the landscape tasks you need to without losing 10 pounds of water off your body and your landscape gets the care it needs to be in peak, peak readiness for those blister days ahead. Plus, you know, they'll give you back lots in the way of color 
and fruits and veggies and overall good health. Today, I wanna to share with you five landscape priorities and practices you should bring to the task table and schedule board so you don't forget them. Shall we get them started? Let's do just that. Let's start by talking about your turf lawn. In the video I did just a week or so ago, uh, no, it was longer than that, probably a, a month or more or so ago, I did something about lawn care. Check it out. It's on YouTube and on the podcast, but it's the 412 method of lawn care. I explain their year-round care for turf, but here today, we are focusing for now just on the summer treatment of your lawn. And I'd like you to remember these three little words. Height, food, and water are the three attention grabbers for the next three or four months when it comes to your turf lawn. Hey, depending on the type of turf your landscape is, this is the time of year when height really matters. For you cool season grass aficionados, you know, the ones with bluegrass and fescues and ryegrasses, your lawn should be at or above three inches in height, unless, unless, you are on the coast of the Pacific Northwest or California, and I mean on the coast, not like 50 miles in, you're on the coast, or any other cool maritime climate around the world. This blade height, and when I say blade, I'm talking about the green part of turf itself, this blade height really helps cool and insulate that root zone area. It helps with retaining moisture and keeps the root zone and plant zone balanced for peak summer performance. You don't wanna have an inch and a half root zone and have a four inch green zone. They're out of balance. So we wanna try and have deep penetrating irrigation and moisture so that the root zones get down a little bit away from the, the surface temperatures and then balance that out. So if you had a good three or four inch root zone and then a good three inch green top, you're in great shape. That's a good balanced turf system. You know, for you guys having warm season grasses for your turf lawn, and when I say that, we're talking about bent grass, although most people don't have bent grass. Golf courses have bent grass, but there are some out there that like their bent grass. Bahia, zoysia, centipede, and some hybrid Bermudas, height can vary a little as these grasses can tolerate hotter temps, higher humidities, and do better and do not go semi-dormant when temperatures go over 90 degrees like some of the cool season grasses. Like on Wheat Patch Ranch, I had a cool season grass. It was a combination of about, mm, I'd say, 80% dwarf fescue, the remaining 20% was bluegrass. It was really nice lawn. But man, come the end of July when we had 107 degree temperatures, that lawn just sat there and went, oh my God, I can't wait till this is over. And it literally didn't grow very much at all. I would mow it maybe every 10 days until the temperatures actually started to subside later in September, maybe even October. You know, feeding is still important this month. And again, in early to mid-September, that is an important thing. If you get some food, get some fertilizer and get it down between now and the next three weeks and don't do it once 100 degrees out, please, but get your food in the system and then don't feed it again until mid-September. It, it's almost like getting a, uh, a shot in the arm. It's like a B12 shot for a lawn and it will do very, very well throughout the heat of the summer months. Your summer feeding 
like I said, now for the next three weeks, especially if you are in, uh, shall we say, zone seven or higher, zone seven or higher, uh, this will provide all the nutrients that turf will need. If you do it any later, if you do it any later in the hot summer months, you risk the eventual burning and destroying of parts of your lawn system, cool season grasses especially. You, you just don't want to go feeding them in July and August. They are not meant for taking up lots, large amounts of food. They are literally half asleep getting through the hot summer months. And then watch it. As soon as mid-September comes around, all of a sudden your fescue, ryegrass, bluegrass lawn suddenly comes, hey, hey, I'm here. Anybody miss me? And it comes flying back to life. Water well the day before you feed is a suggestion that I might have. Feed the next day when blades are dry, blades of grass, not blades of knives, blades of grass are dry. That way the, the, the fertilizer does not stick on the green stuff. Unless, unless you're doing a weed and feed application for some reason, like the Scott's summer weed and feed, you want it to hang on the blades and hence the weeds for a few hours, probably about four hours, and then go out there and and water the heck out of it. And by the way, this is not the time to say, damn, you know, coach, I, I missed my spring feeding. I totally forgot. And uh, so I'm gonna double up. I'm, I'm gonna, instead of uh, on my drop spreader, instead of going on a, a setting of seven, I'm gonna up it to 12. That way it'll have, you know, twice as much. No, please, no, for God's sakes, stop. No, just do, you missed it. Okay, so now do it in the summer just do a regular feeding, a regular setting of whatever it says, depending on the variety of fertilizer you use. You know, I hear a lot about melorganite. Melorganite is a good organic fertilizer. It's not bad, but it doesn't have a punch to it like some of the more synthetic fertilizers do. So if you do use melorganite, make sure you use it just a little bit more often and you know use it at the rate that the, the manufacturer suggests. But just remember, it's it's not a uh, it's not a completely balanced fertilizer at all. But uh, good luck with that, and Google it, see what it's actually made of. Hey, as far as mowing, mowing for your turf should be a, a regular thing, and I would really suggest off-peak heat hours if possible. Mow it in the evening, mow it in the morning, and I would suggest that golden hour in the evening and before 10 o'clock in the morning and then never take off more than a third of the green at any one time. You don't want to have a bunch of dry grass because you waited until it was six and a half inches tall and then you went out there with the ride on and butchered it to two and a half inches. And oh, by the way, this afternoon at four o'clock, it's supposed to be 98 degrees, okay? That's how you sun scald the hell out of a lawn and you suddenly wonder, why do I have all these dry spots even though I've been watering? Uh, duh, yeah. Don't hack a lawn, mow it regularly, okay? Hey, about irrigation. Most of the time, uh, there are some parts of this country and world, I sure as hell didn't live in one in Northern California, but uh, you guys get, you know, semi-regular rains. You know, and I'm back in the East area right now, enjoying some of our countries, the USA that is, some of our country's uh, Eastern flair as far as landscape and nurseries and botanical gardens and arboretums. I'm on, I'm on just a quest right now, just kind of getting used to not digging ditches. And you know, they get rain two times a week. <laughs> Try getting that in Northern California right now. Man, people would bend over backwards for rain twice a week right now. But I wanna 
call your attention to, even though you may get rains, it's generally not always deep soaking, penetrating inch and a half rains. Most of the time it's afternoon buildup. You get a 10th of an inch of rain on Monday and then 90 degree temps the rest of the week and maybe you get a shower on Saturday afternoon. That's not enough, guys, that's not enough. You need at times a half to three quarters of an inch of water per week per lawn, depending on what kind you have. It, it's very, very important. Otherwise, it'll start to stress. In the hot valley in Northern California where Weed Patch Ranch was, I know I had to water that thing four days a week and I averaged a half to three quarters of an inch of water a week or more. Just to keep it looking good. Keep that sucker green and doing what it's supposed to do. Another thing is about turfs in the summertime, before we get into it, just like I said in the supporting cast video on YouTube, make sure all irrigation components are in good working order before we get into the season. All your sprinkler heads and the nozzles on them are clearing the turf, and if not, cut the turf away so that it does clear it. Make sure all the nozzles are in good shape. You haven't hit them with a mower or a string trimmer. There's no dry spots. You've set your timers for an increased watering time and or days, so it's coming on when it's supposed to. I seriously don't suggest watering in 12 noon to six o'clock in the summertime. It's just a waste of water. And it's certainly a waste of electricity if you're on a, a well and you're just evaporating 70% of it off. So don't bother. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about trees, shrubs, perennials, and annuals. Except for the most established plants, and I'm talking a dozen years or more, these portions of the landscape, anything younger than that, these portions of the landscape need attention in the form of deadheading after the spring bloom, errant branches that have forced their way out from trees and such that are drooping in ways that they just don't make any sense, light pruning for shrubs and trees and others that I'll mention in a moment to make sure that good air circulation and you avoid disease like powdery mildews and black spots and stuff on roses. In addition, all perennials, annuals, and smaller or newer shrubbery should receive a, a good summer feeding just like the turf. Annuals can take almost a monthly dose of food. And the best success I always had was not from a dry organic fertilizer or fertilizer for my annuals. I always did it with a synthetic liquid. And that's when I found really good success. The annuals were always at peak performance, almost red line at times. So that's what I got from that. Thank you, miracle Grow. I would really suggest avoid any heavy pruning of anything this time of year or the next three months, just to avoid the risk of sun scald on the sensitive inner leaves of shrubs and trees, and especially the bark. If you have a big whatever, shall we say uh, English laurel, and the thing is out of control, and you didn't prune it in the springtime, and it's getting so damn big, and you got all this energy one Saturday morning, but it's supposed to be 98 degrees, just abstain if you can. Don't go out there and butcher it by 50%. I really implore you not to do that. That way you guys will have a task in the fall without a problem, and you'll be able to avoid those plant risk situations like bark scald 
and leaf burn. Okay, moving on. How about pests? Those bastards. Oftentimes, pests can go into hyperdrive when summer hits. Pests like ants, aphids, earwigs, pill bugs, mosquitoes, lawn grubs. When they come into a nuclear drive, it can really kind of invoke a little bit of panic in a conscientious homeowner. You know, like a weed patch? I'll tell you what, what summer meant for me was ants wanting to invade the house. They wanted to get out of the dry area of the yard, like the driveway and uh, the RV carport and other places like that. They wanted to come in and get inside when it was cooler or there was more water. I'm not sure why, but man, we used to always have to fight ants. The other thing is, is aphids. You know, ants will chase aphids. They'll milk them like cows. They'll get the honeydew from the aphids. It, if you really think about it, it's gross, but uh, that's what they like. And they take the honeydew back to their ant colony. Uh, spray and bait work really well for that particular pest. Earwigs, pill bugs, slugs and snails. If you go out there and do a nighttime check, you'll see those nighttime raiders chewing on yard plants and all your hard earned efforts. So dusting and baiting work really, really well. Do we even need to talk about mosquitoes? And another bug I found being back east, they're called noceums. Holy crap, I hate that freaking bug. I looked like I had smallpox. I literally looked like I had smallpox from my shorts line all the way down to my ankles. Yeah, I never, I never had those before. So the only thing I say about mosquitoes and noceums is bring on more bats. Bring those bastards on and let them kick some mosquito and no CMS. Because those things were a pain. They really were. So how do you control them, coach? Stop your rant. Okay, I will. Bug lights. Try not having any standing untreated water in your area. And some of the commercial application sprays. If you, if you hire John Doe Pest Control, they can come in and treat in the area and really knock them down and keep them a little more manageable. Another thing is... Don't forget about Fido. If Fido is an outside dog, yeah, you can end up with an infestation of fleas in the yard. And you take the little one and say, why don't you go outside and play in the little pool I just bought you in the yard on the lawn? And then all of a sudden covered in flea bites because you have four dogs in the backyard and they have sprouted fleas which have nested in the yard over the winter. Yeah. So make sure you spray for fleas on occasion. And the ever-present lawn grubs. Those guys are the hidden danger of many turf lawns in our ornamental landscape. And you don't know about it till it's almost too late. Suddenly you find this huge wilting area of your yard, despite the fact that you followed coach's directions and you ended up turning up your timer and turning up your days. And yet it's still soaking wet, but wilting. What the hell? Well, oftentimes you have to go out there at dark, flashlight parallel to your lawn, walk through it, see if you've got those little flying lawn moths that are coming up. Yeah. And then dig out a 12 by 12 inch chunk and look at the root zone and see if you don't find that little copper headed bastard with a white body. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lawn grubs. You can treat them really easy. Triazide and some other, some other applications do a pretty good job. So I really suggest weekly inspections and a preemptory, preemptory guys, prophylactic efforts can head these pests off before they establish a really good foothold. And then you're battling an uphill fight all the way. You really are. 
Okay, enough about pests. Let's talk about some small little fast ones here, and then we'll move on to one of our last ones. Other little tasks to be aware of in the summertime that you can do, I mean, you can do them other times of the year, but you start getting into cooler temperatures and other little complications. If you have spent the money and you've bought some uh, fancy stamped and colored concrete for your walkways, or even just stamped, it doesn't even have to be colored, but just stamped, need to reseal them, reseal it every couple of years. Another thing is, is keep up on the pressure washing of walkways, your driveway and patios. Water features should be cleaned before the summertime and then proper balancing agents in one form or another, fish, plants, or anti-algae put, in, put into the water feature and make sure your water levels are maintained because it will evaporate a lot faster than any other season. Make sure your timers have been adjusted for your summer season. Your lighting timer has been adjusted for your summer season. Summer is generally the best time for drainage system installation or if you already have one, have it inspected, cleaned, and repaired if needed. Very important. That way you can prepare for fall and winter or those heavy duty downpours and thunderstorms that some of you lucky people get. And finally, another little task is in your little mini orchard, if you have one, or any of your fruit trees uh, that are coming on, say like nectarines and peaches, apples, pears, Asian pear, plum, all those things, do a really light pruning on your fruit trees and open up the center of your fruit trees so lots of sunlight and lots of air get in there. Very, very important. All right, moving on. Fruits and veggies. The time of year is finally here. Finally, again, we've been waiting since last summer for this. Your little uh, garden or your mini orchard is or will be availing its yumminess to you very, very soon. Veggies are right around the corner as well, unless you have some real quick turnover type of things like radishes or lettuce or something. Strongly suggest you water in the morning, in the summertime, harvest in the morning for the reasons that the the fruit and the vegetable will actually firm up overnight in the cooler temperatures much better than trying to get it in the, the fat, hot afternoon to pull a tomato. Check for pests in the evening as well. The other thing I suggest is you have some mature fruit trees with a heavy crop, brace and prop those heavy branches and get out there and thin those immature fruits and lighten the load on those branches so you don't have breaking. Plus, secondary benefit, much larger fruits are produced and better tasting fruits. So thin out your veggie seedlings in the, their line and anything you have that's a viner and twiner, beans and cukes and other things, tie them off to their supports that you've correctly put in already. As you get closer to ripening time, fruit trees are deeply irrigated once or twice a week, depending on your location and your soil conditions. And the same with your berry crop as well. Razzes and blacks and boysens, Logans and that kind of stuff, they love deep, deep soaking and infrequently doing it. All right, here's our last one. Finally, you. I'm talking to you. Yeah, you. Depending on your particular tolerance to heat exposure and what particular schedules you're on, when you do these tasks mentioned here, it makes a huge difference for your success as well. Your success and the landscape benefits. You know, let's face it, if there's no you out there, there's no healthy landscape. 
plain and simple. You know, for me, summer was always a very challenging time in the landscape construction industry, as well as taking care of Weed Patch Ranch. You know, the Central Valley of Northern California, holy crap, I don't miss it. I gotta admit to you guys. I love you people back there, but I don't miss it. It was a cooker much of the summer. Temps in the 80 degree mark were rare. They were really rare. By the time July rolled around, most of the time June, 80s were rare. Low to mid 90s were the norm, and many, many, way too many days went past 100 degree mark. Starting early in the day and ending earlier in the day was the norm for me. You know, I, I paced myself, I drank lots of fluids. I know this is all common sense. I just wanted to share it with you. And knowing my limitations, as I was getting older, I knew my limitations. It allowed me to hit the job site hard every day when I first got there and get the punch list that I needed to get done, done. And then I, I stopped. There was times where I was, I was making noise at 6.30 in the freaking morning on many summer mornings and I was done before two o'clock. I really was. Now, some of the temporary workers that I brought on that I had on occasion wanted to have none of that stuff. They were all testosterone and puff their chest out. They wouldn't drink, no matter what I said, in a safety meeting in the morning. They wouldn't drink. They didn't want breaks because that would take away from their paycheck of the day. And they ate very little and sometimes even nothing at all. <laughs> I used to call it the daily wall. The daily wall was when these guys who thought they were all that in a bag of chips bonked and they bonked hard, usually around noon to two o'clock. It was very obvious when the fatigue set in, you could see the work slow down and in some rare cases, even heat exhaustion that I had to pay attention to. I don't know, you, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't, you know how the saying goes. Okay, another thing about you, how about just simply dressing appropriately for the day is very, very important as well. If you have tools involved, whether they be hand tools, a cutting tool of some kind, or a power tool, man, you're talking about gloves and boots minimum. No, that doesn't mean you're naked and all you have is gloves and boots. I'm talking about in addition to these clothes as well. Full sun warranted long pants and a good breathable shirt, sometimes even long sleeve shirts at times, a wide brim hat, sunglasses, and sunscreen. I even, for many, many, many years, had a, a habit of wearing knee pads for days where I had to be down on my hands and knees a lot for like irrigation and drainage days, as well as planting days. This made a huge difference, preparing myself just in the clothing, just in my ensemble, made a huge difference over the years. It really does. It may not seem like it, but hey, here I am coming on 63, and I can still walk, I can still jog, and I can still hike without pain in those joints. My feet are kind of another story, but that comes from another career. Finally, timing. Timing is everything, as the saying goes. Almost all tasks that we've talked about today is so much easier when it is cooler outside. Try to be out there and done before noon or even earlier depending on where you live or wait until that golden hour before dark to go out and take care of some tasks. The older we get the more important we have to take self-assessments before, 
during and after the work that we're facing. Be hydrated before you go outside and then continue to hydrate. Hell, I was really happy at times when I could get out there and pardon me for being gross, but if I could pee once an hour, I felt I was good and hydrated. So there you go, probably TMI, huh? When I was working in, in high heat situations, I would have a light breakfast, a light snack in the morning, a light lunch, a light afternoon snack. And then when I finally got home, before my wife got home, I swear to God, I would eat the paint off the refrigerator by then. I would eat like I was starving. And then I would, then I would crash out for the rest of the day. So just nibble on food. Don't do big meals and then go out and expect to bend over pulling weeds in the, in the, the warm morning sun for the next two hours. My God, how uncomfortable would that be? Plus all your, you know, physiologically, all your blood is in your GI tract then. And it's just fighting to stay in your muscles and do the job you're asking it to do. So light light meals before heavy work. I always suggest and subscribe to work smarter, not harder, and make sure you have the best tools in the shed and they're all in good shape. I would really suggest if you're not accustomed to this kind of work, do some stretching before you go out there and start busting your ass. I really suggest that. Stretch, stretch often throughout your work day and take breaks every hour or sooner. Listen to your body. It does not lie to you ever. You lie to it. Hey, well, there you go. A look into the hot, steamy, blistering days of summer and how to approach your landscape and keep it looking its collective best. As always, guys, so appreciative of your time and your listening ear here or your listening eye if you go over on YouTube. Questions, please drop them into the comment section here or the email, as always, is listed at the beginning, at the end of every show. Check out this week's plan of the week. I think you really enjoy it. Hey, I will catch you guys next week, crew. I really appreciate your time. You guys take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.